Hey, how's it going? Out for a dog walk again, so things could get uh, things could get noisy with the dogs, or maybe even a bit of wind noise. I'll keep the speed down with a bit of a breeze blowing. So yeah, just exploring a topic out loud, I guess. This morning, I posted a, a poll on LinkedIn, and my premise was, uh, did you know that the United States military um, churns out, creates more CO2, more carbon emissions than the next. Now, I've heard different figures, but it's somewhere between 55 and 100 countries. And I said, if you, if you really believe that CO2 is causing um, climate change and you think that's a problem, that's totally cool. However, you would, in that case, you would what? And two options I had were you'd become pro-peace, as I am, happy to say. I believe in peace talks over war every single time. And um, you'd either do that or my second option was <laughs> you'd, you'd get your, you'd buy your subsidised Tesla. I know lots of people who um, enjoy flying away on holidays and flying for business, as they should. I have no problem with that. But then they happily buy their company subsidised Tesla and drive around feeling maybe a little bit smug that they're doing their bit for the environment. Now, if you care to dig into electric cars, you'll know that that's pretty marginal if, if there's any benefit at all. But anyway, my point was just to challenge conventional thinking and that as a executive coach for the last, what, 10, 12 years, as more recently a non-exec director, that's my role. It's to challenge conventional thought and to help people reframe situations. So anyway, I posted this poll and I've got a rule of thumb. If something I post on any social media gets more than 100 views without any interaction, whether it be a like or a comment, whatever, then I just delete it. And it's not because I'm embarrassed by what I've written. It's not. But if I've misread the room so badly that 200 people, 300 people look at something and can't even be bothered to engage with it, or they're too scared to engage with it. I don't know, I can't read minds. And I I just assume, okay, it's not it's not of interest. Totally cool, delete. There's enough rubbish on the internet. But I go back to this message of this morning, right? Can you really tell me, if you genuinely believe in climate change, can you really tell me that it doesn't matter that one country out of hundreds, that one country's military creates more CO2 than the next 55 countries. You, you don't think that's worthy of comment? Or a curious tap on the LinkedIn button? Or a vote on the poll? You really, you really can tell me that that doesn't matter. You, you've got to be kidding yourself. If, you, if you're in that situation, right? If you believe in man-made climate change, I have no problem with that, right? I, I have to be honest and say I'm not 100% convinced. But if you believe that, and you wouldn't even interact on that poll, you don't think that's relevant? Wow, I mean, wow. You don't think it's relevant, the American military, the warmongering US state? You don't think that's relevant? I mean, I find that incredible, and I, and I simply don't believe that. Anyway, bit of a serious topic for a Sunday morning, but there you go. Um, my, I mean, I, I understand about reading the room. I've helped people prepare successfully for public speaking opportunities, presentations, pitches over the last 12 years. 
and I'm good at it. I get great recommendations on LinkedIn, great testimonials. You can go and check them out for yourself. But a big part of that, again, is being willing to challenge and create an interesting, maybe even edgy message. As the great Oscar Wilde said, an idea that is not dangerous is not really worthy of being called an idea at all. So yeah, I understand about reading the room, but I think in this case, there's maybe something else going on. I think that there's a heavy duty case of self-delusion for a lot of people who publicly support net zero energy transition and publicly worry about CO2 emissions, but won't take on, even in their mind, the fact that the US military creates more CO2 than 55 other countries, not militaries, countries. It's mind boggling. I mean, I guess if I uh, anticipate some pushback, maybe some of you think that the US military stands as a force for good in the world. Well, really at that point, I don't know what to tell you because with a cursory search on any of your search engines, you're gonna see that they have pulled off 80 plus regime changes and regime change attempts in the last 70 odd years. And they have killed, I mean, just millions and millions and millions of people uh, in their various wars. Wars on communism, wars on drugs, wars on terrorism. And, and no, I'm not a supporter of communism. My mother was born in a communist country and I understand what that society's like also. So yeah, those are my thoughts on a Sunday morning. Hope you're having a great day, whatever you are. Sorry if that was a bit dark for you. I just found it fascinating and I wanted to explore the, I guess, explore the topic out loud with you. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram, where I think I'm just Thor underscore Holt. Um, also on LinkedIn, of course, as I just mentioned. Uh, yeah, hope you're having a great weekend or a great day whenever you listen to this wee podcast in the woods. <clears throat> hey, how's it going? Out with the dogs in the woods, it's super slippy today, so a very good chance you'll hear a roar and a crash, and that'll be me going down on my coccyx. Hey, pipe down, you two. So yeah, today I was going to talk about um, the one major thing you can work on as a founder or an MD or an owner of a business to improve your return on your own personal time invested. And this isn't just what I think, and it's not just from my general reading in the world, it's from somebody who I respect massively who built his, he led a managed buyout of an oil services, energy services firm, by borrowing $300 million, I think it was, or was it 400 anyway? It doesn't matter. The point is he borrowed it using a phenomenal pitch involving uh, a forest of giant redwood trees and an actual prop, which was a little Scots pine tree. And he went on and built that business using a differentiation strategy that was all about communication and communicating the values of that business at a time when most businesses weren't talking about core values. So it was fairly unique and certainly was in the oil sector at that time. And then he went on and uh, him and his team sold that business for, I think it was basically a billion dollars. And he would have got his own rewards, 30, 40, 50, I don't know what he got, million. Now he's a good friend of mine and I'm not gonna name him because this isn't about name dropping. You can look up his name. He sold the company to Wood, so you can easily find it. And he always says though, the major factor 
that he attributes all that success to is working on one thing. And I think that's amazing. If you knew that one thing, wouldn't it be worth putting at least some time and focus into it? Even if you don't fully buy into what he says, it's got to be worth listening to, right? So yeah, that, that um, one thing he says is being open to coaching and learning and growing around communication. So his whole career, and for example, one particular area of communication which he specialised in is presentation, public speaking, because the leverage effect is incredible. Being able to present in a pitch, being able to present at a town hall, being able to position your investment proposition to the investors to, to lead the managed buyout, being able to position yourself as the leader of that group, being able to position the company and create a situation where the big competitor sees you winning out from under them and you get their attention and then they buy you because of that, which is the reason that that company got bought. They were beating one of the major companies to the punch with their pitching and with win their wins in, a, in the UKCS area that they got bought. They came to their attention and ended up getting bought. So yeah, being open to that, that ch the coaching, that challenge around how you communicate. And I know a lot of MDs and owners maybe think they already know enough to get by and that's fine. You do you. But for me, it's been a process since I met this particular guy and he was a mentor to me, he still is in some ways. Although we've collaborated on corporate storytelling and pitching type projects over the years since then. Um, kinda, it's, a, it's an interesting journey that I've been on since my own experience early on with public speaking is that even a super confident guy like me, I was a mixed martial arts fighter 20, 30, I don't know, a long time ago. It fades into the mist of time. I'm 50, what would it be, 25 years ago? That was first asked to deliver a public talk. And I thought, I've got this, I know what I'm doing. Wrote some stuff down, basically knew what I was saying. Turned, went to drive to the venue on the night, right? And I was halfway there, I was thinking, I'm terrified. Like, I am so scared. And I started fantasizing. I know it's just ideation, but I started fantasizing about crashing my Land Rover Discovery into a tree, not to kill myself. I know a lot of people say they're more scared of public talking, speaking than they are of, um, more scared of speaking in public than they are of death. That wasn't me, but I, I really was thinking, what speed would I have to go to get some whiplash or break an ankle or a leg so that I have a good excuse, a valid excuse not to go? Because don't get me wrong, there's no way I wasn't going to turn up unless something major happened to me. I'm not the kind of guy that bottles it these days. That's for sure. So um, I didn't crash into the tree. I went to the venue. I delivered the talk to my best ability. I was super nervous. I got some good feedback and, you know, I bumbled through. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing, aren't they? They're bumbling through. They're just winging it, hoping for the best. But what my mentor introduced me to was something really so simple but so profound. And that was use a process. And you might say, well, that's obvious, though. I already use a process. Okay, fine. But have you checked that the process is optimized for you? Because the process this guy introduced me to, I don't use that process anymore. I've built out my own process, having done lots of research, reading and experimentation with myself and I guess now thousands of clients over the years who I've helped go on their own journey to find their own process. And I've been the mentor to them that he was to me. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to waffle on now. So I'll kind of wrap it up. I guess my point is, if the one thing that this guy who went from just being an employee, engineer of a business, 
to leading a managed buyout, to selling the business for a billion dollars. And he says the one major thing that made that all possible was working on and being open to coaching and mentoring around his own communication skills, around pitching, presenting, and public speaking. If that's the case, or if that's even likely to be the case, isn't it worth it for you in your career or in your business or in your enterprise to consider getting a mentor and building your own process that works for you? Have a wonderful day, whatever you're doing. I'm going to go and enjoy the rest of this glorious Aberdeenshire winter morning.